This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 27th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, it took some doing to get it done, but many thanks again to Joe Seavey for finally making his way to us last week. What an amazing career and franchise life he's lived. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking with him. And as you heard during his interview, part of what delayed Joe's appearance dealt with the recent passing of his dad. I hope you'll all join me in sharing a prayer for Joe's dad and for the entire CV family. And what a segue that makes to today's episode. Today I'm presenting an encore performance of an epic interview originally aired right here on February 17th, 2016, when Paul Segreto and I were still co-hosting the podcast. On that day, we had the good fortune to speak with an amazing franchising luminary who also just recently passed just two weeks and three days ago. I'm speaking, of course, about the legendary Jerry Darnell. Jerry left us on October 10th following complications from, of all things, a brain injury. What makes this so ironic, as you'll hear during the interview, is so much of what he prided himself for was the sharpness of his mind. Jerry possessed an inane ability to recall and recount the most finite details of some of his conversations with legendary people throughout his career in life. As you'll hear, he had intersections with such greats and well-knowns as Bill Marriott, Jack Nicholas, Fred DeLuca, David McKinnon, J.W. Marriott, and more great emerging franchise pros throughout his storied career. For a guy with a mind as sharp as his to be taken from us prematurely was bad enough, but that it was as a result of a brain injury, well, that was almost surreal. The late great Jerry Darnell, in just two minutes or less, as a special two-part tribute to the life and career of a franchising great and to my best and closest friend. This is a very special edition of Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, and my tribute to the late, great Jerry Darnell continues right after this brief timeout. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with nearly 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with nearly 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you. Instead of 
watching the clock and their wait times. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. And Franchise Today continues, as does this interview with the late, great Jerry Darnell. This conversation was a collaboration dating back to February 2016, when Franchise Today founder Paul Segreto and yours truly were still co-hosting the podcast together. Listen. Our guest, Jerry Darnell, has said success can be defined in a multitude of ways, but in franchising, success is about being the right kind of person who makes the right kinds of decisions that help those in this sphere of influence become the right kind of people. And with that, I would like to introduce and welcome to the show, Mr. Jerry Darnell. Jerry, welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. It's my pleasure and an honor to be here with you. Well, it's an honor to be with you, the mayor of franchising, as he's often referred to as being. Yep. Who coined that phrase, Jerry? Do you know? It was done at a MFV event. Probably nearly eight years ago. I mean, I wouldn't have stopped with mayor. I would have gone to governor or president or king of franchising <laughs> or something. But you know I'm what? okay with mayor. Mayor's I've been, okay. But I... I've been called mayor, and I just want to be Jerry. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I like know, to run on the radar. You know, Stan, as you were saying, John Hayes is the professor of franchising. I was thinking of Jerry is mayor of franchising. Of course, our show title today is the mayor of franchising is in the house, and I'm certainly honored to have Jerry on the show. Not only for all that he's done in franchising, but I really can't think of one person that's been a bigger proponent of franchise today for the past seven years than Jerry Darnell. I mean, both from recommending people to be on the show, promoting it online. Jerry, I thank you. That's that's what we're all about, buddy. We're believing in the same thing. One thing, Jerry, you've got going that I don't, and I wish I did, but I'm in franchising almost as long as you, but not quite. And I have a memory, but nowhere near like yours. And I think, Paul, you wrote it up in the show blurb about Jerry. You know, for somebody who's been at this business for as long as you have, it, it absolutely blows me away, Jerry, how you can hearken back to conversations that happened 25 and 30 years ago and, and not just remember the conversation, but remember where it took place, who was there, what color tie they were wearing. Uh, if they told you what they ate, they ate for breakfast that day, you'd remember that too, wouldn't you? Probably would. And actually, the reason I'm able to do that because I have great friends when I talk to them they just pull triggers that make me go back like you like Paul many of them it mind boggles me how much clarity I mean when we, we talk frequently but with clarity you remember situations down to the finite details and you go back, Jerry, with so many iconic people, and, and, you know, you are more than anything to me. They can call you the mayor or the governor or the chairman, but I call you the bridge builder because what you do more than anything is connect people. And that's, I think, that if I were to say what's one thing you're known for, it would be that, and anybody who's met you along the way knows that. But I would love for you to do for me and for Paul and for the audience is go back 
to how you found your way into franchising and where did it all begin for you? Purely by accident. I was a certified financial planner. I built one of the largest financial planning companies in the U.S. Had over 600 agents working out of a company called American Bankers Group out of Miami, Florida. And then Jack Nicholas and another mentor of mine, Jack Walsh, they decided they were going to franchise financial planning centers. And all of a sudden, they had nobody that knew anything about franchising, including me. And I got assigned to go out and took some of my mentors and more. And I, I will give it credit due in franchising. I created the first Discovery Day on a, a trade floor back there with Bill Rosenberg, Fred DeLuca, David McKinnon. And all I did was took what I learned in the financial planning, growing it, and applied it to it. And we wound up doing financial planning centers all over the world, including CUNA Mutual, U.S. Legal Savings and Loan, and opened in nine countries. So it was purely by accident. So in what, what year would that have been, like in the 80s, early uh, 80s? Late 70s. No, late 70s. Eight. And so back in those days, we weren't nearly as legislated and regulated as we are today. But you still had to probably get some fast tracking on the educational side. So who are some of the people that helped you in those early days on the fast track toward educating yourself so that you didn't wind up in, in any kind of trouble? Because, you know, even then, franchising had some regulation around it. Who were some of your early teachers and mentors and guides and Sherpas that helped you find your way? Bill Rosenberg. Art Bartlett, David McKinnon, Fred DeLuca. I just I was like a sponge, still am today. Uh, even I'll go back even further than that. When I was in the financial planning and building franchises for Money Concepts International and the International Franchise Association, and at the same time I was helping Jack Nicholas get out of near bankruptcy. Hmm. Wow. He had overextended himself, and I worked with Chuck Perry, who was with uh, one of the major bankers, and we went out and put together ten deals at five hundred thousand guaranteed for ten years, and created fifty million dollars unit. It just, it just kept going on and on. And all of a sudden, that's back when we used a lot of direct mail and there wasn't the internet. And all of our presentations were done with an overhead and transparencies. You probably all remember that at some point. And go in and run a discovery day. And the attendant of the discovery day started teaching people what to do at shows. Most people at the shows just wanted to have people to fill out cards and we would qualify them. We'd pull them over and take another booth right next to the other one with, oh, God, back to Don Palladino with many of the old presidents of the IFA. And actually, the IFA put me in charge of the exhibitor committee for the IFA for nearly four years. You've definitely seen some changes for certain. And it's interesting how you brought Discovery Day to franchising. And, of course, Discovery Day is, is very prominent throughout franchising to this day. But what you've seen also is so many changes. Of course, the introduction of the Internet, franchise brokers, a lot of changes have taken place. But, you know, Jerry, as I was listening to you, and you were mentioning these iconic names, you mentioned Rosenberg, you mentioned Fred DeLuca, who sadly passed away this past year, amongst others, just truly iconic individuals, true entrepreneurs. And of course, also, you spent some time as a personal consultant with Anthony A. Martinez, founder of Amco, and of course, of, of Mako as well. And Goddard School. Sure, right. That's right. And the Goddard. So what was different about those type of iconic and entrepreneurs when you compare them to the entrepreneurs in so many different franchise organizations today? The older people that were more mature, we kept saying, you got to go back to the basics. Learn to listen to people. Find out what's more important to them. And once you make a friend, they will open their life up. And when you know more
more about their life, their goals, and dreams. And my gosh, it had to be almost a form of profiling then that we didn't know what the word meant. And being able to, and what I found with most top salespeople in the country today, and Stan knows I'm working on a project with Rebecca and Steve Olson, most top salespeople think it's an eight to five job today. Well, especially the millennials, it's not. They don't want to be called. They want to talk to you either on Skype, text, and they want to say, when can I take you? And you know when I find out the times you have to talk to them? Late at night, depending on which coast you are. They don't care. And then they want to talk about what's important to them, their goals and their dreams and their family. And they're very focused and they make decisions quickly. And probably still from that habit is why, and you probably know and Stan knows, I pretty much still work seven days a week. In the class that Rebecca and I did in Houston, I shared with the audience how if they were looking to replace a job by becoming a franchisee, they were probably at the wrong meeting. And whether you're a Zor or a Z, I think there's a work ethic in our business or even as a consultant from the outside looking in. There's a work ethic in franchising that's so, so different. And this was more like having another child. In the beginning, you're going to have to be there for that baby all the time and have to nurture it and take care of it morning, noon, and night. And the hope is that sometime along the way, that baby of yours starts growing up and can be a little bit more independent and take care of itself and a little less demanding on you. And that ultimately the day will come where, just like we hope with our kids, that the business will then stand up on its own two legs and ultimately take care of us. One of the greatest experiences, and I hopefully you all remember Greg Muzello. It's one of the few businesses that Fred DeLuca ever invested in. And when I met Greg, I was with Don Palladino in New Orleans at a Don Palladino show and very bright, him and his partner, CPAs, very smart, very entrepreneurial, had an idea and I kept watching them give away $10 and $20 brochures back then and no way to follow up. So on weekends, I would fly up to Cleveland, Ohio. Greg will tell you this story. I wrote their operations manuals and I, I didn't even know what an operations manual was. I just figured it had to be something simple that you could teach people and it would be a definitely different than what I do today huh. and ran their first discovery days and nine months we awarded or granted 75 franchises that was pro forma back then right yeah and you know all they are really is they're a facilitator that yang prints and do everything but they find people in the thing that don't have jobs that want to stay in that business and they're independent and greg has been putting on seminars that are unbelievable i've been watching them on facebook and i talk to greg regularly and anyway he'll, he'll tell you i changed his life i didn't know fred was an investor in that business fred had tried so many other different franchise concepts that all never seemed to lift oh yeah and everything from other fast foods to even we care hair. Remember that? Yeah, for sure. And then he so, had the, what it was, a chicken thing. Back then, it seemed like there was a great level of professionalism. And as you talked about just now about salespeople, it's not a nine to five job, and it's certainly not a five day a week job. And I remember back in the day when there were 70 or 80 trade shows, you know, the revered individuals for franchise brands were the, the lead franchise salespeople. They not only perform the part, but they dress the part. I mean, they truly looked like professionals, like somebody to me that I would invest my money with. And certainly uh, followed up and they had the ability to close. And then, of course, they were right back on the road again and again and again and again. And yet the study that you were talking about, the project you were talking about with Rebecca and, and Steve Olson, and I've uh, done some talking with myself with Steve uh, last week. We spent a couple hours on the phone talking about it. And it's still, we still chuckle about how many franchise salespeople don't even return phone call number one. And the tolerance of that just blows me away. It, it, it is embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. And probably you both know my background. Stan, you know it intimately because we were in another industry together and we didn't know at the time that was in the optical industry. We 
we know people forever, and I still get calls from franchisees with Sterling and Optical and Cypher Sore Eyes with their families saying, thank you, hey, I got this on my mind, what can I do? I do the same thing with Mako Franchise. They still call me. You've collected people better than anyone I know, Jerry. I mean, it's just impossible for me to drop a name that isn't already in your first tier of LinkedIn connections. They may be new to me, but when I... Well, you and I knew Heigl right out of the bat, didn't we, brother? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of names that everybody's heard of and, and knows, there's another one. You've already dropped the Jack Nicholson. What about the Bill Marriott connection? Tell us about that. Well, I was living in Washington, D.C., and building shoe stores. I built 30 of the most successful shoe stores back when I was 22 years old in the Washington, D.C. area, all high-end. I was selling shoes to the Auchincloss family, purses. I'm talking about then, $10,000 and $20,000 tickets. I was biting my nails a lot then, and over it was the first Marriott hotel called Keybridge, and I was told to go over there, and that's where I could stop biting my nails, get a manicure, and they'd put clear nail polish on, and you wouldn't bite them. Well, guess who was sitting next to me in the chair? Jay Willard. <laughs> and he and I just got to talking, and I started laughing. He was ranting on. He's a good LDS. I can't believe all these people want me to put bars and liquor in my hotels. And sure enough, I got a call from a headhunter. I have no idea why. I'm trying to remember who the headhunter was. Oh, I could almost, yeah, I could tell you. It was Corn Ferry. Told you I'd remember. And and they called and they said, Bill Marriott is looking for someone to take over as president of all their franchise brands. I said, well, I don't know that I'd qualify. They said, no, he got your name through a lot of people and he'd like to talk to you. So I didn't have to go through the HR department or anything. So all of a sudden his secretary and still today is Phyllis got me on the phone with Bill and we started talking. He said, why don't you come in for an interview? And I said, Bill, let me go back when I knew your dad. He said, how'd you know my dad? So I told him a story. And he said, oh my God, you didn't. And that's when they owned Pappy Parker's Hot Shops, Roy Rogers. And, and I would laugh about the story. And he said, you're absolutely right. That was my dad. So we became very close and he tried to hire me, and I just said, Bill, you know what? Knowing your father and knowing your family and knowing where you are, I don't think I can come into that family and make the changes I want to make. And so I'm not going to take a job that I can fail in. We just became great friends and kept in touch. When I'd go into the public affairs in D.C., if he was in town, he would always meet me outside of the J.W. Marriott. And we would go somewhere and have a cup of coffee because he's the type that he goes in there, everybody knows him, and he won't get out of there for eight or ten hours. Wow. And then when, actually, I think, well, I know all you experienced it, and so did Stan. When we go down to Lauderdale, where T.S. held their conventions, there was nothing going on, and Bill's family wasn't there. I stayed in the suite. That was his family. Yeah, that suite would be more like a floor of an office building somewhere. It's so big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then going back to your area, when they opened the Marriott Marquis stand, which is one of their, their big flagships at the time, I checked in and I was one of the earlier members of the Marriott Rewards Program. And uh, I checked in. I got called over by the manager and said, Mr. Marriott saw that you're checking in. He wants you to have the presidential suite. Just where Clinton and a number of other people stayed. And I went up in this suite and I thought, my God, I was living in a house, grand piano and everything. So I slept by one side of the bed, didn't mess anything up. And I thought, boy, this is very impressive. And anybody, anybody listening to our podcast today that wondered what we were talking about in terms of memories and how vivid those memories are when Jerry's talking about things that happened so many years ago in such finite detail as though it were just yesterday. This is Franchise Today, everybody. I'm Stan Friedman, along with Paul Segreto. And we're speaking today with the mayor of franchising, the iconic Jerry Darnell. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. 
We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. And Franchise Today continues, as does this interview with the late, great Jerry Darnell. Jerry, if I asked you to just look back on your career and all the places that you've been, you've probably done the full Monty being on the, well, I don't know if you've been a franchisee, but you've certainly been on the supplier side and you've been on the finance side and you've been representing franchisors for dozens of years. Where do you feel the greatest impact has been in franchising over the course of your career? Where have you made the biggest difference? Uh, actually, I think in development of new franchises. I probably directly and indirectly of all the places I've worked and done probably have over 9,000 franchises or personally that uh, I've affected one way or the other. That is a very large number. And Stan, you know from my optical background with Cohen's Fashion Optical and Sterling Optical, we bought them out of bankruptcy, refranchised them. I went on the road and settled 75 class action lawsuits, took the company private, took it public, and then wound up doing a lot of consulting work for the larger medical and medicine shop was one of those, which is owned by Cardinal Healthcare. I spent 19 months there and took their stock from 8 to 32 and did a 3 for 2 split, and then we sold it to Cardinal Healthcare. You've had your fingerprints on so many different projects, Jerry, from Main Street to Wall Street and back again. While I can't take any credit for Discovery Days or its creation or any of the early stage things that you've had the privilege of doing in your life, I can share some credit with others that are in our sphere of, of friends like Marty Greenbaum and a couple of other people who helped coax and encourage you actually into doing your own thing a few years ago and beginning Jerry Darnell and Associates. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that world that you're in and how you've brought all these years of practical experience together and to bear and what it is you're doing today that might be of benefit to some in the audience to learn about and how they and you might even get to know each other if they don't know you yet. Well, I can do it in a simple way. I had spent a lot of time with other suppliers, you know, Benetrans, Guida, and had major impact and and all of a sudden, it didn't work out. I did not want to move to Seattle. And I got a call from two friends, one being Marty Greenbaum and Stan, saying, Jerry, this is what you need to do. So I had to start thinking about it. And I said, well, how am I going to make this work? And both of you have been there to coach me along the way, which 
I'm still a student and still love coaching. And from that, it's how I built Jerry Darnell Associates to work with such great companies as MFV, Clarity Voice. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, and, and it's still coming out of the woodwork. How are you helping companies today, Jerry? What is it you do that helps franchisors gain the clarity and push to the next level? Because you work with large as well as smaller companies, but you're all about advancing it for yardage. And whether they are emerging brands or legacy brands, I guess the one thing we all know about you is when you see something that someone needs to know, you're not going to be shy about telling them. So I guess people that have a, a thin skin probably wouldn't do too well working with you. You might scare them away. But what is the magic? What is the secret sauce that you give to a franchisor that helps them advance the agenda from where they are before they've met you to where you take them once they've been introduced to you? Usually it's an introduction by either a phone call. I get probably, as you know, Stan, probably nearly 40 to 50 inquiries off of LinkedIn a month from all over the world. And I go back to the same thing I did in granting a franchise. Say, look, I'd love to talk to you and I want you to vet me. And I want to make sure our goals align. Uh, and there's no amount of money that's going to buy me to do something I don't think the goals are going to align. And a lot of it's, you know, under Understanding where they're coming from, how committed they are to it, where they are in the process. Part of it are companies that I'm not even going to mention names that went out and done stuff that it has to be totally redone. And then I say, this is how I can help you. And then I work with the key people I trust, like you on a CRM, like with many franchise attorneys that we're all close to, and uh, people that write operations manuals and bring in the pros and help manage the process. So, Jerry, we have, as our listenership on Franchise Today, seven years now, a lot of wannabe franchisors or emerging franchisors. And as we have found over the years, many are listening to this show as a way of educating themselves towards being the right fit franchisor. I actually had an experience with one that a year before he even got into franchising from a franchisor perspective. He was listening to our show and all the great deal of time, the likes of Steve Greenbaum, Lee Play, Lane Fisher, so many mm-hmm. dedicated their time for hundreds of shows, and it's why we've had several hundred thousand on-demand listens. But specifically to these young franchisors, please share with them some of your wisdom as to what they should be doing getting started and how should they go about doing it. Well, one thing is to make sure they're well-capitalized. Because you are a franchisor, you're not going to get rich quick overnight. And if you're not willing to keep investing back in your company, your people, your operations, your training, your education, to me, the franchisee is a partnership with the franchisor. And it's all about getting and keeping customers. And more importantly, having those customers to come back more and more often all the time than their competitors in light of their experiences. Customer satisfaction, I know you both preach that. The big thing is, is if I'm not the right fit, I'll refer them to somebody else, as I have with all of you. I'm I'm not always the best match from somebody because probably one of my strengths is my biggest downfall, and I'm just very direct. Hmm. I don't guess anybody's ever noticed that, Jerry. Have you ever noticed that, Paul? Nah, never. You know what? That doesn't mean I won't be there to help them if they need to call me again. That's right. It's all business. I mean, you are all business, but in a personal kind of a way. And those who know you and really know you aren't shaken by how direct you can be. We actually have come to appreciate that over time. And when you hear something from you, you can take it to the bank because it is what it is. Whether it's right or wrong, it's what you believe. And you stand for those convictions in ways that not enough people do. Hey, Jerry, I, I just had a text message from somebody whose name you've dropped a couple of times. 
questions in the course of this podcast today. And Rebecca Monet has asked me to ask you how you possibly juggle so many projects and friendships and keep that mind and memory so keen. I work on it all the time. I probably started out doing Jerry West's memory book. That's how I started building my memory. I keep my database up tonight. I probably spend two to three hours a day. My time. Nobody bothered me. Bonnie is doing her thing. She's writing. And I continually update my database. And if you're all familiar with Facebook, if not, you should. Every three to six months, they change the way you communicate. I mean, you and I talked about it, Stan, and I've talked to three or four people. All of a sudden, people you thought you're getting stuff from, you're not anymore. And it's a combination of trying to stay on top of it and manage it. And to me, it's, it's, a, it's a learning curve for me, which I'm loving. I mean, I have to learn and learn and learn and learn. And you got a 66-year-old man that probably understands technology very well. And I had the chance of visiting with your good friend, Stan, and your, uh, one of your mentoring is Sean. I mean, here's a guy that's a genius. Mm-hmm. And him and I... And he goes, wow, wow. And I'm going, like, why are you saying wow? You're the one who knows it all. Jerry's talking about a young man named Sean Goldsmith, who is now a 25-year-old professional who I met when he was a 16- or 17-year-old high school sophomore and participating in a DECA entrepreneurship program, became the recipient of one of the IFA's Don DeBolt scholarships. And from those years to this very day, to this past weekend in Houston and upcoming at the IFA, this young man has held on to every connection he's ever been given a connection to. So I've been to Houston, Texas, I don't know how many times, Jerry, and I've known Doc Cohn for dozens of years, but I've never been to his house. And young little Sean Goldsmith, he spent the night <laughs> having dinner with Scott Lair and Doc Cohn, and he's out there with all the luminaries. A very brilliant young man who has a, a long path ahead of him, the kind of young man that we all love to pay back by paying forward and assisting young professionals as they get into franchising. Even, even Doc Cohn took him under his wing and mentoring him, too. Yeah, but to the point that Rebecca made, you've learned how to sharpen your mind. You've kept your mind as sharp as a tack. And I'm going to throw it to Paul to introduce a a series of questions that I think hearken to where you were just going, Jerry, with things like Facebook. I mean, Paul, you are the social guru and you and Deb Evans have been my digital divas for a long time. She's a diva and you're just a kingpin. But here's Jerry, who is the only person I've known who no matter how many times Facebook might change their rules or their algorithms or the way they do things to keep everybody honest. Jerry Darnell is still the only person on the planet that somehow gets to like things that I'm thinking before I've even posted them, Paul. How, how does that work? Yeah, that is that is true. But Jerry, you know, I do want to ask you a question because it does revolve around Facebook and it doesn't revolve around LinkedIn and the way people use it. And I know you do a lot with young suppliers, especially coming in and you introduce them to how to do business with franchise organizations. And, and of course, we see many, many times individuals that haven't yet worked with you jump onto Facebook and it's or, or LinkedIn and immediately they're trying to sell something. They haven't even earned the right. It's like they walked into a, a rubber chicken event with a big sign on their head that says, I'm so-and-so, I'm selling this. So what advice do you give these young suppliers? Because you've worked with some that came out of nowhere and are cornerstones in that supplier community. So obviously you've got a plan for them. They follow it, and they become very well-respected. And others that didn't fall under your wing, I've seen them gone off to pasture, and where they were in franchising four years ago, they're no longer here. So what is the wisdom that you give them? Well, part of it is, let me give you the number one rule before I'll work with 
any supplier. They've got to become a member of the IFA supplier form, period. Right. If they don't do that, I'm not going to waste my time. That, that tells me they're not willing to put their money where their mouth is. And with all due respect, the IFA is probably one of, and I say it proudly, they're one of the most incestuous groups. You just don't walk in and say, hey, I just showed up. I want your business. Right. They're not going to tolerate it. I wouldn't either. And from a supplier to me to learn to earn the right to do business with franchisors, it could be two to five years. Because they've got a lot of people they've entrusted all along the way. And I'm very close, as many of you know, and I'm not going to call names. I mean, I've got many of the top franchises, and they want to hire people, they'll call me. They'll say, Jerry, who should I talk to for this? Now, whether they do it or not, some they do, some they don't. Some of them wind up making great careers. I mean, I got introduced to Gary Gerke from my old friend, and many of your old friend is from David McKinnon. And I was blown away at what they're doing in the voiceover IP. And I've become a big, big, big proponent of what Gary and his company is doing and even the next levels it's going. And so they have to be committed to get in and get involved with the IFA to earn credibility with people that have been there and knows what it's like to live without a paycheck to make sure their employees and their customers get satisfaction. As we know, the International Franchise Association certainly does a lot for the franchise community, probably a lot more than many members are even aware of. And of course, this time of the year and during September when we're all in Washington, D.C., two big key events and of course, all the things going on in the different states and at the federal level with the increase in the minimum wage, the NLRB rulings, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to stop. So I think you're spot on that anybody new getting into franchising, the first commitment they need to make is to join the association and not only join it, but be active in the organization. Do your part. You nailed it, Paul. You nailed it. And then I even go further than that. At some point, they need to get involved in FranPAC. And I don't care oh, if it's yeah. a dollar day, three sixty-five a year to start out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been to umpteen franchise conventions. We have our 56th annual IFA convention in San Antonio coming up in a few days. As much as it's old hat for you, it is a great reunion. You see a lot of people, but you're in touch with a lot of people throughout the year. What does Jerry Darnell look to gain from this year's event? Probably mentoring a lot of people. I'll be going in on Thursday, actually, for meetings that are already set up, doing some pre-prep work, and getting prepared mentally. I do a lot of meditation. I look at the list, who's coming, who's not coming, who maybe I can help that I've met, but they haven't moved off the dime. And not that they're even going to do business with me. I just say, what, what is your next step? How come you haven't moved in the last year or two? So That's I do a lot of that type of thing. I mean, I get in Thursday. I've got meetings Thursday night, Friday morning, Saturday when most of the people are arriving. I go to learn more, actually. I'm a student. Well, when the student's ready, the teacher appears is the old adage. But, you know, Jerry, you too have another side to your life that few people probably know about. I mean, we all go home to our city or suburban homes. You live on a horse farm in the middle of Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about that life and the friends like I've met through you guys. That One that I know is listening right now is texting me and he actually was threatening to call in is Pete Baldine. <laughs> Pete's working his horse farm and working his professional career as well. It's Bonnie's farm, right? Tell I us do. a little bit about the personal side of your life. I do that for one reason. I let her take ownership. I help her in every way I can. Physically, I cannot do what I used to do. And it's been hard on both of us to learn that. But what I can do is important. And I do a lot of work to support her. And my God, she's written a book already. It's published. She's got book signings coming up. There's actually a potential of an off-Broadway that wants to take her book and make an off-Broadway. It's going into textbooks. And she keeps me going. She's the one, as you know, Stan, when uh, my kidney shut down, thanks to the VA, 
ACA. She uh, kept me alive. Mm-hmm. You never forget. It's just an amazing thing to me, Jerry, the amount of energy that you put out and what a rock star role model you are for people that are half your age that can take a, a lesson from the kind of energy, positive energy that you put forth in physical energy and pushing the agenda of franchising forward on so many different fronts. And, and you know, you're funny, but Pete Baldwin, a lot of times he and I don't even talk about franchising. We talk about, hey, to buy it, how to get it for the best price. <laughs> Bourbon. Uh, Bourbon, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, Jerry, it's been a long time coming, and we're grateful and honored to have you on the, the show today. You're probably more on top of your game than any other time. And certainly, many look up to you and will continue to look up to you, and rightly so. And we're glad to have you as friends, that's for sure. Well, I feel very honored to be blessed to be on your show. It's been a learning experience to me. And just going back and talking about things that I had to pull back down the bottom to reach out. But anyway, it's good. And I look it's forward, all good. I look forward to being with all of you in San Antonio. Can't wait to see you. Looking forward to it so, as well, Jerry. Well, that's a wrap for today. What a treat getting to listen in and recount some of the amazing moments in the life of an amazing guy. I'll be back to do it all again next week. But until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best. The very best of all things franchising and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.